so just keep them in your prayers for safe travels. Um, also, there is no Holy Communion this morning, and uh, newsletter articles are due today. So if you have anything for the congregation, make sure you get that to Mary and Rose, and should be in your mailboxes next Sunday. Um, also, Walter, wherever he went, uh, he mentioned to me that there's going to be a short council meeting for the members that are here right after worship. So please just come up front and we'll have a short meeting. Anybody else have announcements? Yes. Prayers of Thanksgiving for Kara, then. That's great. Great. Thanks for the update on that. Anybody else? Okay. Well, let's prepare our hearts and minds for worship as we listen to the prelude.
Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God who forgives our sin, whose mercy endures forever. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Gracious God, have mercy on us. We confess that we have turned from you and given ourselves into the power of sin. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things we have done and things we have failed to do. Turn us again to you and uphold us by your Spirit so that we may live and serve you in the newness of life. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Almighty God, strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit that Christ may live in your hearts through faith. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to God's people on earth. Us pray. O God, our teacher and guide, you draw us to yourself and welcome us as beloved children. Help us to lay aside all envy and selfish ambition, that we may walk in your ways of wisdom and understanding as servants of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The first reading is from Jeremiah. It was the Lord who made it known to me, and I knew. Then you showed me their evil deeds. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter, and I did not know it was against me that they devised schemes, saying, let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living so that his name will no longer be remembered. But you, O Lord of hosts, who judge righteously, who try the heart and the mind, let me see your retribution upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. The word of the Lord. We'll read responsively Psalm 54. Save me, O God, by your name. In your might, defend my cause. For strangers have risen up against me, 
and the ruthless have sought my life, those who have no regard for God. Render evil to those who spy on me. In your faithfulness, destroy them. For you have rescued me from every trouble, and my eye looks down on my enemies. The second reading is from James. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? They do not come, do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive, because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The word of the Lord. Jesus and the disciples went on and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all whoever wants whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them. And, talking, and taking it into his arms, he said to them, 
Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Be seated. Children, if you want to come forward for the sermon, children's sermon. You don't have to sit down today. Let's come up here by the baptismal font. Okay. Stand here and fade. Come back here. Come back here. Okay. We're going to face the, the altar area. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Come on up. Come on up. Hi. So, how many crosses do you see up here? I haven't counted either. Any guesses? Four? I see a few more. So there's a lot, there's a lot of different crosses, right? Here, come on up here. So I'm sure, did everybody get this one up there? No? Okay. Okay. What about this one? Right? That one's pretty obvious. Okay. What other ones did you see? Yep. You can't miss that one, right? <laughs> and that, yep, right there. The offering plate. Very good. Christ candle. Yep. Yep. So there's a lot of crosses in the sanctuary, right? And not just in the sanctuary, but even in the fellowship hall and when you come into church. And I have one right here, yeah. Yep, yeah, that's right. I didn't think about counting ours. So, but did you know that there's probably some hidden crosses that you didn't know about? Everybody knows what this is, right? Okay. How many, how many crosses are on the back side of the bulletin? One? Okay. You probably already know about this, Alice, so. Do you see any? Okay. Alice, where do you see the cross? Yep. And I don't know if anybody in the congregation knew this or not. I, a few of you probably do, but on the back of your bulletin, right there. So, if you didn't know that, now you do. And that was started, I was talking with Rose last night, I think that was started back when Pastor Diener was here. So it's been there a long time, and it's there every Sunday. So, and you could probably count all like the lowercase t's too, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of hidden crosses, even in our lives. Even when we get outside of church, there's still a lot of hidden crosses that you can find. And did you find another one? Oh yeah. Right there on the side of the pew. Very good. So there was one that. Hopefully, I brought the paper with me. Yes. Everybody knows what that is, right? It's a utility pole. But what does it kind of look like? A cross, right? I'll show you guys too. So, so there's you know, when you see this stuff out and about, just. Try to find it. Remember it. All right. Well, that's it. Everybody want some candy? Hopefully there's enough here. Yeah.
you for coming out. We live in a culture that strives for greatness. As a society, we are infatuated with being the next big star. We seek after stardom in that one big moment where we can be recognized above everyone else. TV shows like American Idol, America's Got Talent, The Voice, professional sports teams, and even high school sports teams for that matter. And who can forget wanting to become the next YouTube or TikTok star trying to get as many likes and followers as possible. There is always that competition, in good fun or not, to be the best. It's not just in TV, sports, or social media. It's in every area of our lives. It's in people's physical appearance, in the stuff we have. Always trying to be the best or better than someone else. As parents, it's easy to get caught up in raising star children. Each time a child does something, terrific or not, parents want to praise them publicly, gushing about their accomplishments and how great they are. We certainly have lots of pride in ourselves and our children. So if you look up the word pride in the dictionary, you'll find multiple definitions. The Merriam-Webster dictionary gives this as a positive one, which is a feeling that you respect yourself and deserve to be respected by others. This seems like a healthy aspect of pride. But then there's this definition. A feeling that you want more or a feeling that you are more important or better than other people. An, or, in, an inordinate self-esteem. This quite frankly is a common not so healthy conceit. Reflected in statements like he had too much pride to ask for help or her pride prevented her from admitting she was wrong. Today's gospel reading speaks directly to this. Jesus and his disciples are traveling through Galilee on the way to Capernaum, and they were having conversations as we would have with each other on a road trip. No harm in discussing and having conversations to pass the time. But when they arrive at their destination and are settled down in the house that they are staying at, Jesus asked them what they were talking about. You can probably picture them turning their eyes away from Jesus to the floor perhaps slouch a bit in their chairs in embarrassment and bite their tongues in silence. And why? Because they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Pride, arrogance, overconfidence, seeking to be better or the greatest of all pushes us away from people. Instead of relating to others as equals, this attitude displays an obnoxious superiority that makes others feel small. It makes others feel shame and unworthy. Pride leads us to look at other people's flaws and faults and criticize them in order to make us feel superior and better about ourselves. It is a defense against recognizing our own shortcomings and vulnerabilities. It prevents us from saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I made a mistake, I hurt you. When pride rules our hearts, we believe that we're always right, and this makes it difficult to sustain intimate relationships. After all, nobody likes being with a know-it-all. This wasn't the only time the disciples of Jesus got caught up in the sin and pride and arrogance. Luke records, 
that right after Jesus institutes his supper, that the disciples begin to argue and dispute amongst each other as to who is the greatest. Regardless of the cultural differences that we may have with the disciples, striving to be greater than others causes someone to gain at the expense of another. It takes away their honor and self-worth and leaves shame and guilt. A 2012 Harvard study shows just how prominent this desire is within people. The study comprised of five brain imaging experiments found that the urge to share information about one's life is more powerful than previously thought. Researchers found that sharing information about themselves triggered the same sensations in the brain synonymous with eating food and intimate pleasure in their subjects. Participants had been offered a financial incentive to respond to questions about other people, but many passed on the money, preferring to answer questions about themselves. St. James in the epistle reading says this, But if you have bitter jealousy and self-ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and self-ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Now that the title of Jesus applies himself, now that now the title that Jesus applies to himself at the beginning of today's gospel is the Son of Man, recalling Daniel's prophecy. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. In his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. In other words, the Son of Man is an everlasting king. In Mark's Gospel, we read that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, and that he will come again in glory on the clouds. And yet, this Son of Man will suffer and die before he rises. He will be betrayed and given into the hands of sinners. He does this because, as he says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That title speaks to the kind of king Jesus is. The Son of Man, whose dominion is everlasting, comes as a servant to offer his life as a ransom for many. His kingdom values service with the king himself being the servant of all. For Jesus, the son of man, this means betrayal into the hands of men who put him to death, reigning as a crucified king. And this he did for you. Your eternal king Jesus took your place as a slave to sin and paid the full price for you. He humbled himself and died in your place for your eternal salvation. There is no greater act of love and selflessness than that. As Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is what Jesus has done for you. He came to serve, not to be served, and he did it all for you. And when Jesus asks his disciples what they were talking about, they remain silent. Their silence speaks of their shame and guilt. Knowing their hearts, 
Jesus lovingly takes one of the children brought to him for healing and says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Now in the near east of Jesus' day, infant mortality rates were very high, sometimes reaching up to 30% and even up to 60% before the age of 16. Children were all children were often the first to suffer from famine, war, disease, and sickness. They had little status in their communities and were basically seen on par as a slave. And so, to show his disciples the true way of greatness, Jesus takes one of these little children, whose mother had probably brought them to be touched and healed by Jesus, and holds the child up into his loving arms. He treats the child with dignity and respect, saying, of them a few verses later, for to such belongs the kingdom of God, telling the disciples who had argued about greatness. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. A chapter later, Jesus will say to his disciples, you know that those are, who are considered the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The servant of all the Lord of all creation humbled himself by dying on a cross for the sins of the whole world. Then three days later, he was exalted as he rose from the grave, proclaiming his victory over sin and death for you. You now live in this freedom that he brought for you with his life, the freedom to be the, freedom to be the, child, of, the child God created you to be. That freedom loves others above yourself. It allows you to see others through the love of Jesus Christ and treat them with dignity and respect and humility. Through the love of Christ, you are equipped to serve and love others. Then when Christ returns, he will exalt you to your place in heaven to live in his glory forever and ever. Pride, greatness, seeking to exalt yourself over others is what we see in our world. But Jesus has called us out of that world through the humility of his cross. And you have been joined to that humility at your baptism, joined to Jesus to serve him by humbly serving others. Amen.
Let us confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. In the name of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Made children and heirs of God's promise, we pray for the church, the world, and all in need. God of community, we pray for the church around the world. Unite us in our love for you. Help us to overcome our divisions, that we are encouraged to work together for your sake. Lord, in your mercy. God of creation, we pray for this hurting earth. Awaken in us a new desire to care for this world and empower us to support agencies, organizations, and individual efforts to heal our environment. Lord, in your mercy. God of cooperation, we pray for the nations of the world embroiled in conflict. Inspire leaders and listen to each other and work towards peaceful solutions to disagreements. Protect the vulnerable, especially children, who cannot find safety in their home or country. Lord, in your mercy. God of comfort, we pray for all who live with mental or physical illness. Help them find appropriate care. Bring healing and wholeness when the path forward seeks bleak, seems bleak. Lord, in your mercy. God of compassion, we pray for the young people of this congregation. Renew in us your call to welcome children in our midst. As they grow, strengthen their faith and our commitment to them. Lord, in your mercy. God of consolation, we give you thanks for our loved ones who have died and pray for all who grieve today. Shine your grace on all your saints. Lord, in your mercy. Receive these prayers, O God, and those in our hearts, known only to you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you all.
let us pray. God of mercy and grace, the eyes of all wait upon you, and you open your hand in blessing. Fill us with good things at your table, that we may come to help all in need. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Lord. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, we pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our day's bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. now, I guess, after uh, starts the post loop. So go in peace to serve the Lord. Thanks.